nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living and joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name is Paul Carmichael and about 20 seconds ago I had a case of deja vu, didn't I? And I've just suddenly recalled an incident from 28 years ago where somebody referred to me as Adolf Hitler with an attitude problem. <laughs> Which on, is then. rude, isn't it? It's like, because he wasn't a nice bloke anyway. And it's like, oh, you're like Adolf Hitler. If he had an attitude problem. That's a bit... And what hell. was the context? Um, Have you annexed the Sudetenland? I don't think so. With a garb so. on? No, no, you know what I'd done? Right, first year at uni, and I'd gone along to a disco at the Students' Union. Um, pissed out my head, of course. Um, dressed dressed as a hula girl um, in a sort of a homemade skirt uh, and some flowers around there. And I'd, I don't want to say I blacked up, but I'd certainly used an awful lot of tan. And so I turned up at the doorstep of uh, the student union and I heard as I walked up, oh, here he is, Adolf Hitler with an attitude problem. So jolly rude. And I thought, oh, ignore it and walk through. And the bloke who just said it just put a hand on my shoulder like that and said, you can't come in. And I said, why not? And he said, because you're a fire hazard. And I, I said, what do you mean I'm a fire hazard? I'm not a fire hazard. Now, this is how far things have changed in the last 30 years. He proved I was a fire hazard by taking out a cigarette lighter and setting fire to my grass skirt as I was wearing it. <laughs> I don't think I was the one with the attitude problem on that occasion. I mean, you're not meant to set fire to students, are you? No. Well, not anymore. Not since Tony Blair. Oh, he stopped he that, did he? It. Right. He outlawed it, you know. He He's the man who removed all the fun, let's be honest. All the, the eviscerations. You mm. sound like Trevor Howard when um, in the Sir Henry film where he goes to get his lumbago treatment at the local sewage farm um, in the way you're dressed. But uh, I'll let you look at the image for that. Um, yes. Yeah, bouncers are strange beasts, though, aren't they? Mr. Colclough. Brian. Oh, he was a teacher, not a bouncer. No, he wasn't. He was literally employed to just stand within the confines of the students' union. Right. Big bugger with a moustache. He looked a bit like a walrus. And um, and insult me. I think that's what they were paying him for. Just to, just to say that I was like Adolf Hitler if he had had an attitude problem. Because he fantastic. didn't. He didn't have an attitude problem, but imagine if he had. Me, apparently. Yeah, that's what he was. That was all he was there for. Just to That's be insane. Rude. Yeah. I once uh, worked with a bouncer. When I was a student, I worked at McDonald's, and, um, and which I think is a fine job for any student. They really look after you at McDonald's. But anyway, I digress. Um, and I worked with this bouncer um, mm. who worked there in the day and then in the clubs at the night. I can't remember his name. He also had a moustache. I think that they were issued. Um, yes. You know, at bouncer school. I think that there was sort of, you know, from day one, it's like your best start on your tash. Mm. Um but I don't know how we got onto the subject. We ended up talking about LSD. Mm. And he was like, oh, oh, right, this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, well, uh, uh, student. He was like, oh, can you get any, Mr. Mr. Big Chat with moustache? And he was just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, of course I can, lad. You know what I mean? So the next thing, it's like, have some LSD, have some acid. So I was like, that, sound. So there used to be a local indie night on. Mm-hmm. Right, for students down at the yeah. local uh, club. We we got, I think it was Wednesday nights we got down at Stories, um, where that was the indie night. So anyway, me and my little chums all had one of these acid 
tabs. Um, and we were all like, you know, quite, whoa, you know. We coined the phrase Spongladelic because it was Spongladelic. Um, anyway, so we went to the club and there he was on the door. It was like, all right. He's like, that. do you have any of them? I was like, that. yeah, yeah, fucking nice one, mate. You know, these are amazing. You know what I mean? Oh, I've had four. They don't do much, do they? So he'd had four and he was standing on the door. And then as we were leaving there, he was knocking hell out of someone. It's just like, <laughs> how? How? I've got this theory, you see, that right. men, you know, uh, we're talking about Malks again. We are. But I've got a theory that Malks... I don't think I don't think drugs psychedelic drugs have any effect on them. I don't because they're not willing to engage with they're not willing to accept that there are other frequencies of perception. So they're just like fuck all merch. Oh, no so that makes sense there. actually. Because so, when they drink they'll do like 30 pints it's like don't feel pissed. But it's, how does that a macho not thing? Yeah, but how I mean you can be macho, but how does that not create a chemical reaction though? Because That's, you uh, fight it. Because they're just so manly. That so it, manly. That they won't, duh, take them on, that sort no, of thing. No, they ah. just beat. So I don't see the point in doing it in the first place. There seems to be an objective with Malks when they have a drink or they take drugs or whatever it may be. It's mm. just like, yeah, I'm still able to function. And it's just like, well, that's not the point of it. No, you're meant to not function. You're meant to enjoy the not functioning and being <laughs> elsewhere for a moment. They've missed no. the point. Next time I see a bouncer, I'm going to just say you've missed the point. I think that'll help. Yeah, I think that'll really, really help. Also throw a pint in his face. Just so he gets the point. Not I even think, wet. I think that they, <laughs> I think they'll, respond, they'll respond well to a short, bald man with a posh accent saying, you've missed the point, you know. They'll, pint in the face, and yeah. then they'll drag you around by your hood. Oh, don't wear a hood. I have an umbrella. Well, you might do. If, you were, if it was Chris Barry Tuesday, for example... Right, Chris Barry from Red Dwarf or Christopher Barry, the director? Christopher Barry. Have I got to use the correct nomenclature? Yes. Yes, well, on the Return to Devil's End DVD, they call him Chris. They they call him Chris, you know, that's fine. You can call him Chris. Christopher. They they wouldn't have put director Chris Barry in 1964. That would have looked awful. Would it? Yeah, common. 1964 was a good year, wasn't it? It's a great year. Yeah. Wonderful year. And we've lost some wonderful people. Who were very active around about this period now. We have. We've lost... This week, we've lost a lot of people, haven't we? Yeah. So, I mean, we, the, who need to be thought of, who need to be spoken of. So, um, I mean, uh, well, let's go with the American first. Okay. Okay, so uh, Nichelle Nichols, who was yes. uh, Lieutenant Uhura in uh, Star Trek... Um, very, very sad. Um, and, and of course, she, she apparently she did an awful lot of, um, of good for young um, black girls wanting to enter STEM subjects, mm. which stands for science, theatre, uh, etymology and music hall. Wow. I should have done STEM. I, think I could be a good STEM what are they called? The student. Oh, no, I wouldn't like that. Unless it was the science of blocking on stage. Yeah, it might have been. That's a science, isn't it? Might it? have but, been. Uh, no, I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, 89 uh, she got to, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it's terribly upsetting for everybody in Trekland. Um, but then again, when you know, when I first saw Star Trek, it must have been on when I was very young. You used to and, be on Thursday tea time, didn't it? BBC Two? Yeah, that's it? it. 
Yeah, and it did absolutely nothing for no. me because there was no humour at all. It was so serious. And I suppose now I can look at it through the prism of being this age and I could go, it's so, so serious. It's almost camp. It's almost heightened. But back then I just thought, it's not funny. There's no funny bits. There's no fun. I just remember it being on before Top of the Pops. It always reminds me of me, uh, Uncle Jim and Auntie Beck coming round on a Thursday. Mm. So... I don't know about your household, but television was very much wallpaper when I was growing up. It was just always there and always on. Uh, and you'd just turn the volume down. So my memories of Star Trek are all mute. Yeah. Because there's no volume on. So it's just there. Yeah. No, I mean, it was very much in, in our house. My dad would come in at half four. And that was it. The telly was on and the telly stayed on till yeah. he went to bed. Yeah. No, I, I remember that very much. But... Um, I wonder if that's why I've always got a slight issue with, you know, all things sort of like American, if there's that issue of pomposity connected to it. Because it's not there with all things American, obviously. And I think that's maybe why I, I developed a love for Lost in Space. Because it was batshit crazy. There's a right. wonderful episode of that called The Space Vikings, which is literally about some Vikings who just... But proper <laughs> Vikings, old Norse Vikings who turn upon the planet. But the way that they arrive is by singing a line of opera. And then in a, in a huge explosion, they arrive on these plastic horses. It's the strangest. Brilliant. It's ridiculous uh, program. So I like the fact that it didn't take itself too seriously. But I wonder if now, I wonder if I was to watch original Star Trek, if it would be something where... It's so serious that it's actually quite, well, heightened, camp or funny, I wonder. Don't know, don't, don't know. Don't I've know. never really, I couldn't eat a whole one. I've never, I've never sat through one. Um, I've sat through a couple of Star Trek films, um, yeah. you know, by accident as such. I remember once we were down at Glastonbury one year, uh, it would have been 95, and we'd all had a load of ecstasy. I sound like a raging druggie. You do. Paul, your mum will be on the phone. Paul was on the phone on a podcast with a raging drug addict. (laughs) So we'd all had ecstasy. And and my friend Alistair said, we've got to go and watch this film, man. Star Trek Generations. And so at Glastonbury, they show it outdoors on a gigantic screen. Mm. And I was just, I was just off my tits watching it. That was quite good. Um, That was the next generation people. It was both of them. They oh. brought them both in. There was like a crossover between the original series and the new one. Well, sort it's of, not new now. There's about 100 Star Trek series now. There are. There are. Which There's is too many. Uh, Russell T. Davis has got to do with Doctor Who. Yeah, that's different though, isn't it? Because No, I mean, nice. I'm just saying, I think that that's the kind of model. Oh, the, the they've got... Multiverse. The whole, yeah, they've got the whole Star Trek universe. So I've seen that. And mm. I always remember being ill one Christmas and the Wrath of Khan or one of them was on the telly. I remember loving the coloured lights that were in the, on the deck, you know, because you're ill and it's Christmas and it's like, oh, they're a bit like the Christmas tree. So now, is that one where there's like little slug things and they go inside someone's helmet and climb into their ear? Or is this just... Slugs down the helmet? Oh, it doesn't sound very, very <laughs> good. Sound nice um, no idea. No idea. Okay. I know that it's got the fella out of Fantasy Island in a funny mask thing. Right. Ricardo Montalban? Bless you. Well, um, there's always a a Ricardo Montalban who was, you know, uh, Fantasy Island, the guy who run it in the white suit. Oh, is this the the, tall guy? And there's a little fella. 
No, but there's a midget in it who goes, look at the plane, boss. The plane, boss, the plane, right. Well, the other Never fella it, but, who yeah. ran it in the white suit, uh, well, it was a Granada thing, wasn't it? It was an ITV thing. That's why you won't have seen it. Um, mm. But him, he went through the stages of being an actor, and it was, uh, who the hell is Ricardo Montalban? Um, get me Ricardo Montalban. There was something else, and it ended with who the hell is Ricardo Montalban. It's like it's quite a nice little story of the trajectory of an actor becoming going from unknown to famous to unknown again. Um, he said it better, obviously, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've only seen like bits of Star Trek. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't like me candle, Paul. No, no, I've it never was been a Star it... Trek fan. Very serious, very American, and, I, and mm. I think at the time I knew that they'd spent money on it, and I didn't like that. No, no, it's mm. it's uh, it's obscene. Yes, that's how it yes. felt to me. It, it, yes. it felt like it shouldn't be on the BBC. I was very confused. I remember that. I was very confused. It was on the BBC. Mm. It was, this should be on the other channel that I'm not allowed to watch. For the poor surely. people. For the poor people. This they like blight. Teach them in things. the ways of righteousness. Yes, they enjoy um, that sort of thing. One act. Oh, go on. I was just going to say there's actually a series right now that fans who have ended up growing up and becoming the industry, there's a series called The Ozark, I think. No, not The Ozark. The Orville, which is original Star Trek, but a comedy version of it. Is that the bloke who does that comedy, that animated programme as well? What's his name? I don't know. Trey Parker or whatever. No, no, no. It's... it's um, oh, I can't, he's the actor guy, in fella. it. Family Guy. That's it. I think that's his. I right, think. okay then. That makes yeah. sense. I think it's his. But uh no, there was one actor though who was who has trod in both Doctor Who and Star Trek, and it's another actor we lost this week, and this is yes. one we probably know a little more about. David Warner. David Warner, well, well, well. David Warner. A Wonderful. smashing a reassuring presence, that voice. Mm. Oh, it's a beautiful voice, isn't it? That one of those actors who could can convey so much by doing hardly anything. Yeah. The eyes yeah. did absolutely everything. He didn't need to act really because it no. was just it was going on in his head. Yeah. Um, wonderful, and of course, it, the first modern Hamlet is how he's thought. I think up until he took the role on. If you look at the other people who've played Hamlet, it was very much in that late Victorian tradition of everything being said in a particular way. When Warner took the role in the 60s at the RSC, suddenly you've got Hamlet, who is dressed down, he's a sulky teenager, he's introspective. And if you read about it, he had no respect for the rules of rhythm and metre. He basically said Shakespeare as though he was just saying words. You'd um, have failed him. I'd have had a word. So, no yes, no more of that, no David. David Warner, if you'd have been around, dear. Absolutely not, no. But um, it's, it's a strange one, because when he died, I thought... I feel that this is an actor I should have seen more of. So I had a quick look on IMDb, and then I was like, no, I've, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. Straw Dogs, he's absolutely superb. He did a Doctor Who in 2014, 15, something like that. He's done so much work that I have seen, but he's an actor whose presence, I think, sort of permeates the production that he's in. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, you almost accept him. Not as an actor, not as a character, but as a real, rounded human being. Which I think is is quite a rare thing, you know. In these days where we're all celeb-obsessed, well, mm. some of you are. But it's, it's more that you know the person. But with Warner, I felt that I knew the art. 
to the point where I almost didn't recognize it. Just this lovely presence um, who was an ever-present person throughout life, really. Mm. Wonderful. Wonderful. He is fantastic. Was fantastic, rather. Mm. I'm trying to think now. I mean, I was always aware of him. He just used to pop up, didn't he? But, I mean, what really cements it for me, uh, formatively, is the devil in Time Bandits. You don't know Time Bandits? Come now. God, I haven't I haven't seen it. No. Fuck no. off, then. I know, I You've know. I've never seen disgusted. Time Bandits. Scott, is that the one with Peter Cook? No. Oh, that's the Princess Bride. Right, okay. With David Rappaport and his little gang of dwarf guys, and they nick the map. We did something a couple of months back where you specifically did the Ralph Richardson God bit in it. Return the map. That's that's that dwarf thing, isn't it? That that Cockney fella likes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That dwarf thing that that Cockney fella likes. Time bandits. no, Terry that's Lord Gilliam. of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings I'm thinking no. of. With... <laughs> Tall fella, McKellen does it, doesn't it? No, it's not. It's Ralph Richardson as God, where he pops up Wizard of Oz-like at the end. Well, you should watch it. You've never seen Time Bandits. Sean Connery as Agamemnon. It's not ringing any bells. My God. I can't believe you've never seen Time Bandits. Well, it's probably Brilliant. never been on television or something. I it has. It's never off bloody television. Terry Gilliam's directorial debut, I think. Well, Gilliam's brilliant. I mean, so yeah. I should have seen this. Yeah, Time Bandits, the scene in the in Sherwood Forest where they end up speaking with Robin Hood. John Cleese. Yes. I've not seen it. I've seen a photo of him. I've seen a photo of Cleese as Robin Hood. Right. Well, there you go. You should watch Time Bandits anyway. He is superb as the devil in it. Right. Um, You know, he's like that. If I were God, I wouldn't bother with, uh, you know, what's he say? He says something like daisies, butterflies and all that. (laughs) And then he says, I'd start day one laser beams. But it's the way he does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's brilliant. Anyway, so all this little gang of dwarves are his sort of like little imps that have escaped from him and stolen the map of where all the time portals are throughout the universe. And so they just drop through time, etc. It's brilliant. Absolutely oh. brilliant. Um, right. Especially with... Who's um, Blood Axe in The Time Warrior? Guy in Boone. Oh, David Dacre. David Dacre's like the kid's dad. And um, the neighbour out of George and Mildred. Tall fella. Um... No, no, his wife. Oh, right, yeah. And and something or other. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's the mum and David Dacre's the dad. And this kid's like... His parents just sat watching the telly. They never look at him. Right. And then one night, a bloody... Um, a knight on horseback's in his bedroom. Because he's reading this book. He's in his room. He's like, you know, a kid who's very literary. And he's into his books and that. And his mum and dad just take no interest in him. Right. You know what I mean? And the next thing, there's this knight on a horseback in his room. And he's like, what? And the next thing, these little guys are in there. And then they push his bedroom wall. And this room keeps expanding, 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 expanding. And then this wall falls off. Then he falls through time back to ancient Greece. And there's Sean Connery as Agamemnon. It's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely it's brilliant. A, it With sounds like exactly... George sort of, Harrison. Is it a handmade film? Yeah. See, why haven't I seen this? I don't know. 
This is ridiculous. That sounds absolutely is. what I should watch. Well, David Warner's the devil in it, and the comments Brilliant. on consumerism that that character makes and capitalism and this is all his parents are just consumers of television and they're talking about buying the latest microwave and all this other crap mm. where and and this little guy who's the main lad in it this little lad um his intellect is being squandered and his potential because his parents don't care about him and then he goes off and has this i mean if you saw it like i did as a little kid it's just like wow you know, oh, I love the sound of this. It's absolutely Whoa. fantastic as a commentary on modern times as well. You know, because it works on all those levels, obviously, with well, it being Gilliam. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's a fantastic film. David Warner's fantastic as the devil in it, and mm. then he sort of does a similar character, doesn't he, in the League of Gentlemen movie? Now that I haven't that? seen. No. Oh, right. Okay. Oh look, films—they're so long, aren't they? I mean, when do you ever have two hours to watch a film? Well. You could have done that instead of unblocking your sink. You well, did we'll... cosplay as a Malk. No, we're gonna. Should we? Can we talk about that now? Yes, absolutely. Right, Everyone okay. wants we'll, to hear we'll... about your cosplay as, as will... a Malk. We will go back to this. No, absolutely. So Saturday morning, I, I got up and the sink's blocked, which I wasn't expecting at all. So naturally, you chucked I a full t- Chinese takeaway down there, no doubt, the night before that you didn't finish. I don't know. I mean, I did, I did all the usual stuff that you should do. I poured some boiling water down it. I thought that would do something. It didn't do it. Just filled the sink with boiling water. Mm. So what I did then was I got some uh, duo sinkum blocker. Ooh. Right? I thought this will be good. Um, and it's covered in warnings, you know, hazardous symbols. But you ignore those, obviously. So I poured this stuff down to leave it for an hour. So I left it for an hour. Nothing happened at all. So I thought, right, this is a problem. Thought, right, okay. I've got two choices. I can call a Malk and get them to do this. Steady. Or, or I can sort it. So, I got under the sink. And, you know, there's pipes under this thing. So I just sort of, like, undid a pipe. Uh, let's see if that does it. So I undid a pipe. And suddenly, of course, the sink starts to empty everywhere. So, oh, shit. So I grabbed a bowl. And luckily, the bowl just about filled with water. Yeah, but then it was... It was so close to the top. And then two things happened. First of all, it turns out that all the hazardous symbols were there for a purpose because I got it on my hands and it felt like my hands were melting. So that's probably not good. So um, I washed them with soapy water and the soap started to react with the acid. So, I mean, this this wasn't good at all. But when the... the Well, exactly. So the burning subsided and I looked at the sink and I thought, right, now I've got a bowl full of dirty water under the sink. What do I do with that? And my brain stopped working for a moment. So I thought, water, pour it down the sink. So I poured it down the sink after I've taken the pipe off. So suddenly there's water flowing out over my legs. Oh, shit, this isn't good. But I thought, at least this will have solved the problem. It didn't. Um, So then I put the pipe back in and tried it. No, it's still blocked. And that's when I noticed that there was a, you know, a U-shaped bend. And so I I said to you, yeah, I said to you, there's a U-shaped bend. And you said it's a U-bend. And I thought, that's... That's not right, because they're from toilets, so... No, 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 sinks have them. Toilets don't. Do they? Don't they? No, I think that thing at the back of a bog's more like a sort of backwards J. Anyway. Is that a J-bend? Don't know. Depends how much curry you've had the evening before. Probably does. Anyway, so the upshot of this was I was completely covered absolutely soaking, covered in acidic chemicals. Um, 
And then it took me eight, eight and a half hours. Wow. But I did it. I didn't have Good to pay man. anyone. There we go. Yeah. Well, Matt there would we have are. wanted a hundred pounds for that. Exactly. So I'm thinking, essentially, if that's all plumbing is, I could probably do it as a trade. Oh, I bet by evening you were off. Oh, yes. I'm a plumber and this has happened and I've now got three vans. Yes, Young lad in my working head. for you, no doubt. That's it. Young lad, bit thick. Bit doesn't thick. use English very well. Don't need sort to of pay him much. Don't need to pay him. YTS wages, we call him the boy. Yeah, yeah, that sort of... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had all that in my head. It was a wonderful life. It was lovely, that. That's the good that. thing about a bit of manly stuff, isn't it? Because you spend the evening in fantasy land, imagining that you've turned it into a career. Mm. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? But you a career, right? logs up, and the next thing, you've got a, a business selling logs, and, you know, you, you're speaking to the local squire and inquiring oh. as to uh, how, how much the logs have cured in the barn. Oh, all of this sounds perfect, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you do all that. I do all that. If I, I, if I put a shelf up, I'm in RV design pet for the night. Oh, that, yeah, absolutely. I did put a shelf up once. It immediately fell off the wall. So I've never, ever put a shelf up again, and nor will I. That's why, you know, so the old the old shelves here, definitely got a man to do them. I'm not putting those up. They're heavy. I remember being a kid. I would have been, <coughs> let me think, probably about eight or nine or something like that. And my granddad had died, so I wanted a shelf in my room. So I knew there was a drill in the cupboard downstairs, you know, a Black right. & Decker vim, job. I yeah. got that, and I... Right, okay. What? And so I got, I think I got a nail and tightened it in the end of the drill in the chuck. Right. And I tried to drill a wall with a nail and it just made a mess of the wall and I got a smack round the head. But, you know, I tried. Well, no, you tried. I don't think you should have been punished for trying. Oh, that's my culture. Well, yes, absolutely. No. I mean, the only time I ever tried to do anything like that as a child, I blew a wall up in the house and caused a lot of structural damage. So There you, you know. go, you see. Yeah, you How don't. How old were you then? Thirty-two. No, no, I was I was about <laughs> ten, and it turns out that if you've got a plug, right, that's not quite plugged in and is sticking out the wall slightly, what you don't do is put something metal directly between the prongs no. of the plug because um, it causes a massive sort of of electricity. Yeah, so what you then don't do further is you don't go, oh, I think I'll just grab the metal thing and see what happens because that dislodged the brickwork. It turns out wow. my dad wasn't happy. No, I bet he weren't. He'll have had to give Malk £500. Probably something like that, yeah. Oh, Although yes. not, for a, not for a good while. I think there was about six months of displaced bricks in my bedroom as sort of punishment. No, stick with the brickwork, son. That's what you're having. Like Time Bandit's bedroom walls. It's not dissimilar, is it? I it's mean, not at all. There were no sort of like dwarves sneaking through, unfortunately. That's a shame. Yeah. I don't know about you, but as a kid, you know, seeing Time Bandits as a kid... It's kind of like, it's a quite a good observation because kids can, like, conjure up images and, and sort of fantasies that they can live within. Mm. You know, as we, as we are talking about now being plumbers or whatever it may be in the evening. But David Warner. David Warner. David um, Warner. David Warner, a man who apparently, he would take on all sorts of work if he liked the script. He wasn't precious in that way. So if it was a good script, he'd do it. Um, he did a lot of work for Big Finish on yeah, all sorts doctor, of productions. he? he did. Um, he was, I think, Peter Davison. When Davison was asked, um, who do you think should play the Doctor? And this is before Russell T. Davis brought it back or anything like that. Who do you think should play the Doctor? And Davison's answer was, 
the actor David Warner. That would have but been a brilliant series, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, wouldn't it have been absolutely wonderful? God, he was good. The thing was is, wonderful. he was too good for what he eventually did with his career. I'm guessing there will have been some kind of nexus point where he was asked to go to Hollywood and he probably thought, no. Oh, no, yeah. no, he did, he did a load of work in Hollywood, though. He did so much work. No, I it's mean, just... a more, like in a Christopher Neem way, a more oh, right. permanent arrangement. I could see someone like him being like, mm, no. Mm, no, Do you know what I mean? I bet yeah. he was offered a contract to, to sort of sit over there for three years and just do what he was told. And he was like, no. Nah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm making stuff up. The one thing, though, we have sort of discussed prior to the show. Oh, your free men- meeting will end in 10 minutes. There you go. <sighs> We're back okay. her again. Um, is the actor who I always thought was a low-rent David Warner. If you couldn't right. get him in, if you couldn't afford David or whatever it may be, he was busy, we'll get this chap in. Um, now, I sent you a photograph of this chap before. You have. Yes, um, it's right here. So David Andrews he is, and he plays the copper, the detective sergeant or whatever he is, in Dracula AD 1972. Have a look. Tell me what you think. I shall put a picture on screen for the boys and girls. Okay, I'm going to have a look now. Let's have a look. No. 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 No, I mean, he's got a long face. Yes. So yeah, do you, people kept telling you you look like David Warner all the time. Suppose, Are you a cheap looks, David Warner? He looks He looks like, um, what's it? looks a bit like Darren Nesbitt. Do you think he's got the lips? He's got the he's got the Darren Nesbitt lips, and he's 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 got yes. It looks like Darren. So Nesbitt. he's a composite, a composite of Warner and Nesbitt. Warner Nesbitt. Now that was a fantastic old actor, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Do you ever play wonderful. that game when you're out in the country and you see village names? Mm. I was away at the weekend uh, visiting Simon. And uh, there's a great village there, Woodhouse Eaves. And Woodhouse Eaves, you know, Woodhouse Eaves reads H.E. Bates, The Darling yeah. Buds of May, cassette one. You oh, know, that's a and, uh, Woodhouse Eaves would have worked with Dame Peggy and, and all these mm. other things. You know, I'd, I'd read David, uh, Woodhouse Eaves' memoir. Mm. You know, it was 1910, you know, in the oh. middle of what's that lovely period before World War I called? Uh, the Bell, uh, uh, e- e- the Bell Epoch. Yes. Yeah, it was during the Bell Epoch. You know, mm. it would be. A, it sounds like Bell Epoch, really. It does, doesn't it? it? Maybe had a barbecue. That um, was a lovely period, wasn't it? That was before things went mental. That was when you still had the big old stately homes with servants and yeah. that sort of. Do you thing. know that painting? Oh. Was it after dinner or supper or whatever it's called? Supper ta- or whatever it is, with all the posh people sat around the table, French yes. painting. Yes. God, there's a there's a bloke and he's just like happy and pissed and talking mm. to this young woman in it and he's just like properly happy in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it sort of uh, typifies the belly pock, doesn't it? But it's interesting that one, isn't it? Because I think after World War One, in this country, obviously you get this massive social change and suddenly that's when you discover that the old system of the big stately home with the servants... That starts to break down somewhat at that point. It doesn't seem to do that in Europe so much. They're sort of like very much, no, 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 we're going to maintain that. Um, I discovered that when I was uh, I, I was in Vienna 20-odd years ago um, doing a, a murder mystery show out there. So they never had a murder mystery. They didn't know what murder mystery shows were. So I went out there with a, a murder mystery show 
And it was on um, a steam train that we mm. used to do it. That would nice. go through Vienna at night. And it was a copy of the old royal family's steam train you know, with uh, all the different salons, as they called the carriage carriages. Salon Elizabeth was my favourite. And each night, it was brilliant for me, because I got killed off in about the third scene, which meant that for two weeks I could just sit there looking at Vienna going past. And there was a little chap called Otto, and Otto would knock on my carriage door and open it, and he'd bring these sandwiches in. And these sandwiches, everything was topped with caviar. And he couldn't speak a word of English. I, you know, mein Deutsches Klein. So, um, and, and it was all done with nods and looks and that sort of things. But he, in full silver service and full dinner service, in Otto's case, he would deliver these sandwiches. And I just thought, oh... Well, this is it. Surely this is what it has to be for the rest of my life. That was 1999. <clears throat> Never happened again. No. I'm getting pictures in my head of uh, Arthur Lowe and Ian Carmichael inquiring about the cricket scores. That's the sort of thing. Yes. yes. Can you get the papers? Yes, oh. yes. Have you seen that murder on the Orient Express with Albert yes. Finney as Poirot? Yes. They're fantastic as the double act in that. Oh, they're absolutely magnificent. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, but yeah, David Warner. David Warner. Um, David Warner. Yes. Just wonderful. Straw yes. Dogs. He's in, of course. Straw Dogs is yeah. a brilliant, brilliant film. Sam Peckinpah. Yes. Um, terrifying film in so many oh, ways. Oh, Sus- yeah. Susan George being awfully lovely. Yeah. Um, basically being terrorised. But mm. God, Peckinpah was a genius. Absolute oh, genius. God, yeah. And Warner within that film plays a character who draws your sympathy again. He doesn't draw focus. He never draws focus. Mm. But my God, you know he's there. Yeah. And that's that in itself is a skill, I think. Yeah. Well, we're about to run out of time, aren't we? So maybe we should say end of part one. It's becoming end of a, part one. It's becoming a, uh, a habit since they t- took the free thing off us. To if, if any of our viewers would like to pay for us to uh, update oh, yes. the Zoom... That would be nice, because yes. I don't think we're going to, are we? Oh, no. Absolutely Gosh, no. not. Give money no. to Americans? No. No, they'd spend it on another series of Star Trek. They would. Star Trek? Star Trek. Yes, Star Trek. Yes, I feel yes, it has to be a bit like Strictly Come Dancing. If you emphasise a different word, you get Strictly Come Dancing, which I much prefer. Yes, I remember the joke as a child, do you? No. What's white and wiggles across the floor? <laughs> sure you can guess the punchline yeah um well one of the earliest jokes i remember i must have been about three or four when i hold when i heard it and i laughed and laughed for about 10 years i laughed every time i thought of this and mm. it was what's brown and stands on stage go on show biz because <laughs> as a little kid shit was biz yeah I, I, I was laughing at that well into my teens <laughs> That's wonderful. I remember a wonderful joke in Oink magazine that made me just piss my pants for, for years again, which was, how do you make a dog drink? Don't know. Put it in a liquidizer. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, I remember Oink and Zit. Wasn't the one called Zit? There was Zit. I preferred Oink. Oink came with a free record on its first issue of mm. Uncle Pig singing uh, the Oink song, um, which I drove my parents mental with this flexi disc, pink flexi disc with a pig on, um, and I can remember the um, the chorus. Um, I just go poop poop tinkle tinkle pop pop oink, and then I don't feel sad. 
poop poop tinkle tinkle pa pa boink and things don't seem so bad. It's it's an awful song, but my god, I loved it. Absolutely wonderful. Sounds Uncle Pig it. and the Oinklets it was recorded by. <laughs> <laughs> well, join us for more highbrow chat after the break. <laughs> The Wombles treat us to a lot of old favourites and some new hit numbers as well. Standing on your tiptoes, running on the spot. Exercise is good for you, laziness is not. Why not leave all your troubles in outer space and come join the Wombles for big screen family entertainment. Good point. Shame they missed it. Yes. So, we also lost this week the the monolith, the cultural monolith that was Bernard Cribbins. Yes. And I'm not ready to believe that yet. Do you know what I mean? I don't not... know if I'll ever accept it because no. he'll never die. No. No, absolutely not. Um, remarkable. I mean, just brilliant. Just wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, with one of those careers that you will never see again. You know, no. you've got him being born in the Northwest to his parents who work in a factory. He remembers his mum didn't wear shoes because they didn't have any. And his choice was either you can go and work in the factory or Oldham Rep. And so he went and started at Oldham Rep. And built his career like that. And of course, the repertory system has gone. We're never going to see a career like that again. But my God, what a career. What a career. Just, oh, it's, it's uh, you know, just listening to that origin story. And I was thinking, yeah, you won't see that again. No. At all. Because, no. you know, working class northern actors are very, uh, very underrepresented in this modern industry of, uh, you know, Benedicts and Tobies and all these other things. Mm. Um, and so you will never see the likes of Bernard Cribbins again. You just no. will not. Um, I think from a social point of view, it's strange to think that there was more social mobility, isn't there, for the lower orders back in it those is. days. It's, it is, but you get that lovely... That. That lovely point, don't you, where sort of like with the Victorians, we get theatre for certain people, a music hall for the commoners. Mm. And there's Cribbins doing both brilliantly because yeah. I've seen him do Shakespeare and he's excellent. I've seen him on the good old days and he's excellent. Yeah. I've seen him in a Doctor Who movie in 1965. I've seen him in Doctor Who in 2010. And the, the, the absolute comfort... Of, of Bernard Cribbins. It, it's comfortable. He was sort of yeah. like, he was, if you could choose every single component path that made up an ideal granddad, Cribbins. It's Cribbins. But, but he, he sort of had all those stages to his career, didn't he? You know, mm. you've got the early Cribbins who's sort of like a, a bag of nervous energy in mm. those early Peter Sellers films. Oh, two-way stretch he's in, isn't yeah, it? And he's brilliant. Him and Sellers. God, he's Absolutely good in fantastic. That. You know, so he's he's slotted seamlessly into that sort of well, I don't suppose you'd have called him a metropolitan uh, comedy group, 
Uh, But there was certainly London, you know, these guys were big stars and and Cribbins just slipped seamlessly into that. Um, The last time you really see, I don't, I don't know if you, if it is the last time, but one of the last times you see him doing that sort of, you know, ball of nervous energy is the Faulty Towers episode. Brilliant. You know, the layers to that performance you know, with Cleese being obsessed with, uh, especially around about that time, being obsessed with psychotherapy and 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 sort of an- over analysing. You know, he wrote those two books, didn't he, with that uh, clinical psychologist, uh, Doctor um, Anthony Clare. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the games people play, is it? And uh, mm. how to su- no, how to survive the family, uh, yes, and how to survive whatever it is, the other one. But mm. but with Cribbins, there is so much sort of. Um, psychopathy going on with mm. his performance there's so many layers to it and then and then when he punches basil it's just like right okay so he's this sort of nervous small man but he's also a man yeah he's just like he's got principle and he's not afraid what I to love. thump someone for it what i love there is he beats the shit out of cleese this big bugger and then he yeah. goes i'm not a violent man mr yeah. faulty yeah. yes you are no i'm not yeah <laughs> just beating the shit yeah, out of yeah, him yeah 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 and there's Wonderful. that psychoanalysis analysis going on in that performance. But, I mean, we'll, we'll never forget, may I reserve the BBC TV channel this evening for this televisual feast. Brilliant. You know, that, that's entered the lexicon, hasn't it? Well, there's a lovely thing as well on the... Um, when they put Faulty Towers out on Blu-ray, um, it had Cleese commenting on every episode. He does commentaries for all of them. Most of the time, he's just laughing. But there's a lovely, <laughs> bit, lovely bit on the hotel inspectors where he talks about when Cribbins came into studio and he's got the tash and he'd not had the tash and nobody had suggested the tash. Cribbins decided that the tash needed to be there. And it's a proper toothbrush moustache to oh, hit yeah. the moustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was just Cribbins and nobody knew that he was going to do it. And he just walked into set in TC7 and he's got the tash. And that's Absolutely glorious. Genius. That Absolutely is glorious. Wonderful. What a lovely detail. Oh, it's perfect. So, of course, we've got that, but I, I suppose one of the first places anybody, anyone of us would have known him, and this leads me on to it, I'm going to bring out one nice thing I got this week. Was, well, just the... before you do that, yes? you won't remember this, but he played a character called Cuffy in Shillingbury Tales. No, I do. Um, and I think it's because Bernard Cribbins was approved of in our house to the point where it overrode the hatred yeah. for ITV. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there was a spin-off series called Cuffy, wasn't there? That's right. Yeah, and I definitely saw that. Definitely. Yeah. So you had that. I mean, the Wombles. I mean, you know, that's the big one, isn't it? Mm. You know, Which one? There, Sorry, the Wombles. That. Sorry, did yes. I go there? You did, but that's okay. So, yeah, this week, um, one of the few things from BBC mm. Records and Tapes that I didn't seem to have... Records? Uh, are you records, West Coast American? That's the one, dear, yeah. Um, was the uh, original BBC album mm. of the Wombles, and I thought, mm. I have to. Wow, you know what? <sighs> wow, just seeing that cover, I'm going to get one of them. I remember coveting that album so, so much when I was a kid. Oh. I have not seen that album in about 40 it's years. Wonderful. Spin it round. Let me have a look at the back. There we go. Now yes! then. Yes! Now then, the thing with this, though, is that um, it's not what they would usually do, which is just take the soundtracks off the TV shows. It's not that at all, because there's only six stories on. So this is Cribbins on a BBC record 
reading the actual short stories that Elizabeth Beresford wrote. And it's absolutely wonderful. And I was trying to think, why didn't I get this when I was younger? Oh, so good. You, you, that cover is just... I can't mm. even think straight now. It's Because beautiful. that is you know, Edward Riley's house as a kid. Want, want, want. Wanted all the toys that weren't toys because you couldn't buy... I don't think you could buy the toys of them, could you? Wanting that car so. and those toys mm. and... Oh, my. The... Ooh, that's like a time portal, time bandit. Well, I'll tell you what, get yourself on Discogs because that is pretty much mink quality. For 1976, the quality is beautiful. Three quid. It won't be three quid now, I bet. Oh, no, that's how much I paid for it a few days ago. Three oh, quid. okay, then. Three quid. Um, but yeah, the Wombles Glorious. used to... Wombles terrified me for some reason. I was trying to think uh, this week why that was, and I realised it's down to two words which are in the um, opening song. The Wombles of Wimbledon common are we mm. and common was a word that my great auntie lena used to use who she dressed like a cake you know matching hat matching bag matching coat um and she would if she saw someone she didn't like she'd be the person who'd give them a little glance and common so when i heard the wombles of wimbledon common are we i thought oh oh no can't approve that but then it gets worse because i misheard one of the following lines, because of course Cribbins on the opening song, he's overdubbed, isn't he? There's about he's recorded it three times and they've layered it. It's like the children's television equivalent of Heroes or something. And he, there's a line that's coming that comes up: um, things that the everyday folk leave behind. Now I misheard this. I thought it was things that the everyday fox leaves behind. Ah, shit myself because I thought Wombles and a fox. Bollocks, the, the, the fox is going to get the wombles. And I was scared watching it every tea time, looking in case this fox was coming for the wombles. Scared the crap out of me at the time. But um, th nevertheless, that's a beautiful record and a, a beautiful man. And you know what? This The amazing thing is he was working until three weeks ago. I know. He was filming for the new series of Doctor Who. We aren't going to see him in that till next year. But there he is. There he'll be. You know, astonishing, wonderful. One of those like dies with his boots on, pretty much. Like Gail Good did. You know, when uh, Gail Good did um, a, a Sam Beckett film where he just stood there in just his underpants, and that was the last piece of work that he did, and then died. I mean, that's the way to. Was go, that the one in it? the tailor's shop? I throw. Oh, um... Can't remember the setting. I mean, it was Beckett, so it's going to be obscure, isn't it? But it's a lovely performance. He doesn't speak. He's literally just stood there like a human mannequin. But it's Gielgud at the age of 240 or something. Yeah. Absolutely dying with his boots on. But for me, no, Cribbins is just the nicest thing. And yeah, yeah. I know he was old. I'm not ready to believe he's dead. I'm just not. He's well... In many ways, he never will die. I mean, you know, I mean, even now, you know, so it's not even any kind of, um, you know, cynical ploy or anything. But even mm. now, you can go to the cinema and watch him in Dalek's Invasion Earth 2150 AD, you yeah. know. Um, he's just filmed a new set of stuff for Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't, you, you've never had to go far in your life to encounter his work never i mean i'm guessing on talking pictures this afternoon there'll be one of those old movies on mm. and of course the railway children wonderful you know. did you see there's a lovely thing came on twitter this week which is um i can't remember his surname now gary the he's one of the the three railway children right 
and Danny Baker uh, put up some cine film uh, taken on I the set that. of the Railway Children, and that whole thing of everybody else was just being very polite. Yeah, when I got and he but does Bers business. Cribbent, he's got to do some business. He's got yeah. to pretend he's playing golf and all that. Just a born entertainer down to his roots, yeah. and you. You don't get that any. You don't get that anymore. No, that you whole don't. Cribbins, Forsyth, people like that. They, they, yeah, you don't get them. It's no, no. We won't see his like again. I'd love to counter that statement, but we won't. We I don't really, think we will. really won't. Um, I don't think we will. Yeah, it is. It's sad. It is mm. sad to you know lose such a, a spirit in this this uh, this world of displeasure and. Yes. And too yeah. much. But you're right. I mean, the the back catalogue is immense. I mean, I, I don't think oh. if I if I was to start watching it now, I doubt I'd get through everything before no, I'm it's gone. Astonishing. It's Just... an astonishing legacy. Legacy being mm. something that has preoccupied the Carmichael cerebellum. Uh, it's it yeah. yes. we're, we're working on a little legacy. We're working on it. We're working on it. it. Yeah. Nice things wise, because I'm getting mm. all sad about yes. this. Yes, okay. Bernard. I nice finally things. completed my crazy collection. There we go. <laughs> with 1985. the 1985. And yes. it is also the last of the set with the Monster Munch advert on the back, mm. which which was the end of uh, IPC Fleetway annuals. Um, there was a mock-up of the core annual 1977, mm. uh, but it never came to fruition, so it was punted around. So now I have the full set. I, I, I'm missing one. I don't count this as not having a full set of IPC. Because it was printed by uh, five star comics up until 1970. So right now, I've got all the IPC uh, Fleetway annuals. So apart from 1963 Buster Annual, which is a five star comic, so I'm not counting that. I want okay. it. I can't get it. Yeah. So I've got all Busters <laughs> apart from that, including uh, the Buster Book of Gags. I've not got the Buster Book of Horror Stories. Uh, mm. So we've got all the Busters. We've got all the core annuals, all the Wizard and Chips, all the Whoopee, all the Shiver and Shake, all the Knockout, all the Cheeky, all the Jackpot, all the Crazies, thanks to that, all the Monster Fun, uh, the two WoW annuals and the one, sorry, the three WoW annuals and the one School Fun annual. So now we have a full set of IPC and now and now I don't want them anymore. They're finished. We've got them Done. now. <laughs> yeah. Shame. Shame it's yes. like that. I think when I get the 1963 Buster, I'll be done. I mean, I would try and complete my Beano and Dandy collection before uh, the... What's the oldest one I've got? 1952. But the prices are eye-watering, dear. Really? We well, were when talking was the, thousands. When does the first Beano or Dandy book? When are we uh, going 1939. Back there's a, a, a Dandy Beano book, like a, a, the two of them in one. Um Dandy starting December the thirty first. Sorry, December twenty first, nineteen thirty seven. Beano standing starting July. Uh, I think it's July twenty eighth, nineteen thirty eight. Right. So they put out the first annual, and that goes for stupid money. But amazingly, DC Thompson now, you can buy all the old annuals as reprints from their website. I've noticed that. So you can choose the one from your birth year, and it's yeah. You know, no. I, no, I, no. I, I love a book to feel as though it's been read. Well, you I want the that. spirit of the child who read it and, and yes, in it, don't you? That's it's like it. old that's exactly Like that Womble it. album you've got. Absolutely. You know, that's what you want. You want to know that that's been... I mean, 1976, some child was given that, presumably for a birthday or Christmas or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and just kept it in such good condition. 
Yeah. And but and you know that that's been loved. You know it's been loved and yeah. yeah. So, yes, very happy with that. I did get something else. Well, I got I got a couple of other things. Oh. Um do, do so tell us. The other things that I got cuz you've got this and I thought no, not nah. having you not having that. Um is I got myself uh, a copy of On the Air. Ah, si- yes. 60 years of BBC TV themes. God, this is beautiful. It's wonderful. Oh, it's stuff. fantastic, isn't it? Oh, it's superb. The Johnny Dankworth Tomorrow's World theme is just <clears throat> absolutely wonderful. But what happened with this, and this this does happen sometimes, is vi- people who sell vinyl are normally quite nice people, I've found yeah. over the years. Decent um, sort. Well, they are. They're decent sorts. So what they've done, and I've had this a few times now, is because this is a double LP, of course, so the mm. postage is a bit more. But then they think, oh, I've got to charge you double. I don't really feel like I should have done. So they slip an extra mystery LP in. Ooh. And that happened here. So I have a recording. And I used to have a tape of this, um, of Manuel and the Music of the Mountains. Brilliant. Which is... Wonderful. Now then, however, I have discovered something this morning, which is interesting. Um, you see, because Manuel and the music of the mountain, so I thought he's Swiss. And I'm thinking, Manuel, oh, he's a bit like Andrew Sachs, this little chap conducting his orchestra. Then I came to read the back, and it says, the music of the mountains is an accurate reflection of its innovator, Manuel, brackets, Jeff. Ah! Oh, Swiss! Oh, I am. And then I, I've read the other bit. Um, and it says, Then there is Manuel, founder and director of the evocative orchestra called The Music of the Mountains. It's certainly no longer a secret. It has been to me. Yeah. That Manuel is really Jeff Love. Who oh, famously it's Jeff did, Love. It's Jeff Love with Piss his wonderful off. disco versions of the Doctor Who theme and stuff. Is I that never what that knew is? that. No, I, that's. No, 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 that's what oh, he recorded. Oh, I see, I see, you mean Jeff Love, oh, yes, yes, yes. Jeff Love, who did that? No, this yes. is like the windmills of your mind and uh, the umbrellas of Cherbourg, but played as though you're sat in a hotel lounge in 19... 19- I like the cover. I like, oh, it, I like it's things a like that. beautiful yeah. cover. So, I'm, so I've li- yeah. listened to that this morning and, oh, it's beautiful stuff. With a, so, with a uh, sort of lemon tea and... That sort of thing, that's what it yeah. needs. As you, as you listen to Manuel, Jeff. Jeff. And his orchestra. Yeah, Jeff and the music of the mountains doesn't work quite so well, so I think I can understand that. Yes. Um, yeah, so abs- very happy with those purchases. Um, I wonder I also how often have... he was Manuel. You well, know, was it a sort of a Wednesday afternoon? It's like, I'm going to be Manuel for the afternoon. Pass me my false tash. Maybe it's that. But there's an awful lot of Manuel and the music of the mountains albums out there. Oh, Man must that? have been prolific. Oh um, my god, these people were making out. fortunes out of these albums. I mean, what's the label? Is it one of those <clears throat> music for pleasures or something? Um, it is music for pleasure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Those those guys, because I think they sold exclusively through Woolworths. Mm. And so they had a deal going, and that's why you'd get all those top, was it Top of the Pops albums that were on that's that right. label? Yeah, with a, a lady on the front wearing lady braces front. covering her nipples. That's yes, they're, they're yeah. fantastic covers. They're, I don't oh, yeah. know much about art, but I know what I like. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. So what, you've got things. something else down there, I'm sensing. Got something else here. I've oh. got a box. Because oh. I thought what what we'd do is we'd try and broaden our appeal to the youngsters. Go, Have you seen these bloody things on Unboxing YouTube? Unboxing videos. Unboxing videos where someone will sort of open a box. And they take about 20 minutes and they say, oh, it's brown. You know, 
I know it's brown, and yes. they describe the box for ages. Sure so I've got a box of stuff because the network DVDs website caught my attention. Oh. So, I this mean, looks I'm, like quite a package. It is a bit. It's a big old box. I mean, I can't. You got a Commodore sixty four in there. I've got nothing in there if I can't open the bloody thing. Hang on. Oh Christ! Right here we go. So the children on the internet are a lot more sort of proficient at, you know. What if you need to send it back? You've ripped it. Oh shit! Well, you know. Hang on. Hang on. Here we go. I'm nearly in. Yeah. Ah, here we are. Right, so. Network DVD. Caught my attention. Uh, oh. Which, get out from you, bastard. Right, here we go. Uh, yeah, it's not going back, this. So, no. what we have in here, dear. What we have. And we, I want you to guess how much this came to. Right? Okay. What I've got in here. First of all, I've got David Frost with Noel Coward. Oh, um, nice. Frost on Coward. So, that's. That's rather lovely. I've got um, a series called The Organisation, starring ah, Donald Sindon and Anton. Peter Egan. Um, what else have we got? Oh, um, Parkins Patch, lunchtime soap opera about a policeman. Who's playing um, a policeman? Um, John Flanagan. New one on me. No, he's not. I'll tell you who John Flanagan is. John Flanagan with Andrew McCulloch, they wrote together and they wrote the Doctor Who show Megalos. That's John. Oh right, okay. Um, I've got um, Ian McKellen with his show about playing the part, just about being an actor. Um, Lovely book, Callan. There we go, Callan under the red file. Nice. That came, and finally, and this is very nice. This is the vinyl recording of the incidental music of Randall and Hopkirk. Beautiful. So, all of this. How much you reckon? Go on. All so right, what got, have you got there? Five DVDs? Right. We've got one, two, three, four DVDs. Four DVDs. Um, a a lovely book, Andrew Pixley book, so it's a big bugger. Yeah. Um, and we've got the Randall and Hopkirk vinyl. Go on. All right, I'm going to go with 90 quid. 42. Ooh. They've got a sale on, dear. Ooh. Dangerous. Dangerous. Oh, I think that book will have to be purchased. That book, it's a beautiful book. And you know what, that album. You know what, Andrew? Well, the album was seven quid. Good I think the, I think the book is about five. But uh, And it's an Andrew Pixley book. Five. Five. Beautiful stuff. Thank you, Network. I'm very happy. They should be sponsoring us for they that. They should, yes. Tell them. Oh, tell tell have them. Have a word. Have a word with the yes. boys and girls at Network. Yes. So, yes. That's my little haul for this week. That's me bankrupted till next payday. So Ooh, I've got none of that. I've got me crazy annual. I feel bereft. What have I bought the last week? I bought anything? No. Ooh. I mean, I've not. I've not bought anything for a while. I felt it was deserved. So, um, but well, after price. we got that bumper pay packet and that bumper <laughs> tax bill. Oh, the tax bill. I swear they took more in tax than I got paid. It's ridiculous, this. No, it was about, I would suggest, we got taxed 40%. I can accept that if I'm earning a couple of million. I'm not. But but think of the good you're doing the country. No. <laughs> Don't want to. Want more money. If I'm yes, doing good. Would be nice. If I'm doing good, then pay for it. Is my view. Government. 
Uh, Rishi Sunak, tighten your belt. Two hundred million in the bank. Up yours, dear. Exactly. Anyway, that's you may notice nice I'm thing. alternating between the man vape and the lady vape. Oh, let's have a look at the lady vape. That's girish. Right. Yes. Okay. That's okay. Why have you got two? I find that the man vape is too harsh first thing in the morning. It's like thump in the back of the throat, don't you think? Yes, that's the bit I like. Was that not the bit that you liked when you smoked was that first drag and you thought, oh, that's going to cause damage. It doesn't hit the back damage. of your throat like a vape does. No, no. Oh, that's doesn't. caused damage. Yeah, that feeling of, oh, that's going to, I'll be paying for that in 20 years. It's that sort of feeling, yeah. yeah. I, I liked that feeling of, oh, I think these are more addictive than smoking. Well, there's, yeah, because you can just use this anywhere. I know yeah. you're not meant to, but you can just sort of sit here chonging away all day. Yeah, and I do, I do. I've got to stop. I've got to start being a good lad, uh, I'm afraid. So, um, you've mm. now had time maybe to peruse Bullman? I have perused Bullman. Bullman mm. is not what I thought. No, it's not, is at it? At all. Because Henderson, to me, is this angry angry man this this loud shouting quite terrifying bloke mm. the sort of bloke i would have avoided or been would have made me cry as a child if i'd have yes. seen him and and here he is not being that at all he's wonderful in this this is an interesting character yeah. so fascinating it's difficult to describe isn't he almost as this character um but it's a it's a cracking series. For some reason, I had this down as Thames or LWT, and it's not. It's Granada. Um, but are I they think filming? The theme music gives you an impression of what it's going to be that it it just isn't. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. But you know, um, because it blurs with the Paradise Club. I mean, Henderson's got this long association with Murray Smith, hasn't he? From mm. like the X Y Y Man Strangers uh, to Bullman, and mm. then they they jump ship and go to BBC One and do the Paradise Club in the early 90s. Mm. Um, that's an interesting series. But the music is kind of like Paradise Club music in it with the sax and all that. Mm. And, and, and that sort of 80s synth noise as the door closes on the bathroom is kind yes. of iconic, really, isn't it? It is. It's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's a lovely series that's not that I'm reacting totally differently to mm. than I expected, which is, that's always a joy, isn't it? When you see a series you've not seen before and it's something that's so well known. Yeah. And then you, you actually think, well, I'll watch it. And you go, Christ, this is good. I'm doing yeah. that at the minute with Adam Adamant Lives, which oh, I've had. fantastic series. I've had that on DVD since 2004. I've maybe watched three episodes. Now I'm working through it and it's just, that's, brilliant series yeah. well done mike myers you stole well well of course um, he did but yeah a wonderful series that and i'm also re-watching tenko oh you love tenko bloody love tenko yeah oh. no I, I don't know if i'd like it i mean it reminds me of saturday nights me mum and me nan just shush whenever you ask for more cheese on toast because they're watching yeah. tenko because they're watching right. tenko do you know what's fascinating about it is if Tenko was made now, everyone would be just going on about it all the time because what you've got here is a series where the entire cast for the vast majority is made up of Japanese actors or women. And mm. that's it. That's the makeup of the whole cast. Now, these days, that would be thought of as being, you know, genre-defining, and it was breaking mm. through barriers. 1981, they just went, well, why would we have anyone else in it? It's about women in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. But <clears throat> to see a programme being led 
by an all-female cast. I suspect this is the first time that happened, where you get that gang show sort of casting. I don't know, um, what about within these walls? Oh, good point, actually, within yeah. these walls. But yeah. uh, no, but you also, you did have an awful lot of blokes in that as well. You did, um, but the, the sort of the main crew of it were women, weren't they? They were. Wasn't Googie Withers the uh, governor? She was the governor, but she was always up against Jerome Willis, wonderful actor. Yeah. And so you you still had that sort of like the the, the 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 white male sort of thing going on there. Here, there's none of that. You've got a group of women um, from all sorts of different social classes, and you've got the Japanese soldiers, and that's it for the for the episodes. After you get past the whole invasion of Singapore, um, but it's God, it's it's good stuff. And what I loved. Is I did a bit of reading up after the first show, uh, the first uh, couple of episodes. It's directed by Ken Riddington, hmm. and Riddington came up with an idea, which is to to force your actors into doing method. So if you imagine you're in studio, you're in TC three, a television centre. You whack them with a bamboo stick. Oh, not quite. You do something that's potentially more long-lasting and effective to the actor, which is of course because TV studios are hot with the lighting and stuff like that. So turn the air conditioning off and turn the heating up. And that's what he did on every recording. The heating and everything was put up whilst they were putting the sets up overnight. So when the actors walked in, it's like a furnace in there, which led to a lot of irritability on set, apparently. But that was what you wanted. Um, Yeah, yeah. Three years of that. So, yeah, that's a lovely thing. Does it sort of move to a conclusion like Secret Army does, where they're liberated and the tables turn? by the end they do they um it does it, you know it carries through this sort of like this full arc across three series it was it used to get 18 million viewers yeah 18. when i mean you're saying it was just the program but it was a big deal i mean i remember radio Huge. times covers and mm. lots yeah. of other things absolutely wonderful louise jameson being magnificent god louise jameson's wonderful proper. oh yeah oh yeah Love yeah her. yeah she is proper yeah, so that that was wonderful. So that's been one of the that's been one of the little you know nice things in the week whilst we've been looking at all these lovely people who we don't have around so much anymore. No, that's true. So, it's very yeah. much a town called Alice, though, isn't it? Tenko, isn't it a town called Alice with the women in the Burmese jungle or whatever it is? World War Two thing. Sorry, I'm thinking of the song Malice. Yeah, no, no, yes. that's that's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Never yeah, yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah. No yeah, yeah, yeah. You're quite right. Um, yeah, and it's not a program that holds back from showing the the horror either. I mean, it's Christ. You, you've got a lot there. You you've got rape. You've got miscarriage. You've got the lot there. And how do you cope with all that sort of thing when you're in the middle of the of the forest, living with nothing? Um, as a series, I mean, I can't recommend that enough. And and filmed apart from the first couple of episodes, filmed on location in Singapore. Everything else is filmed in a quarry in Dorset where they built the camp. And the camp looks perfect. God, it's well done. It's well done. Does it have Basil Henson? No Basil Henson. Episode three of Bullman, Basil Henson. I've only done two. Ah, you've got to move beyond... uh, What's the second one called? Something about a daughter. And then Mm. the third one's Pandora's Many Boxes. That's the one with Basil. Basil turns up. Oh, you know, in full one. Woodhouse Eves mode. Oh, with with his with his varnished hair. His varnished hair, like a freshly oh. baked focaccia yes. on his head. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Um, must buy more things, then I'm going to have to hot-foot it to the network sale, I think. 
I think have a look there. There's about 300 things to choose from. It's easy to go over the top there. But uh, no, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, uh, very happy with all of these. I Ooh, think yes. especially to be able to watch um, this lovely, love. Oh, so, so it was wiped the uh, the frost interview with um, Coward. Oh yeah. Bef- before it was wiped, it was transferred to 16 millimeter color film. So, wow. Oh, yes. That'll do nicely. That'll do. So yes, that's that's me sorted for this. Have they vid fired it, or is it just? I wouldn't think so. No network. There's a weird thing. Vidfire um, about who's allowed to vidfire because mm. um, vidfire the the program is owned uh, the computer program. So you have to pay an awful lot to get things vidfired. Um, ah. So I I very much doubt it will be straight from the sixteen mils. But I don't mind that. Oh no, not at all, not at all. I mean, it's just mm. astonishing. I wonder, I wonder who transferred it and why. I mean, didn't Frost used to do a show in America? Yeah, famously, he would, be... he'd do the transatlantic flight, wouldn't he? Where yeah. he'd do his Frost program and then he'd nip over the Atlantic and do Frost in this country. He did that yeah. for years. Uh, now, this is this. Uh, the film assets were kept at the BFI. Bless them. Um, so, what remain? Um, yeah. So there we go. That's that's what this is. So I shall enjoy this very much, I think. Yes, I should Lovely imagine stuff. you will, dear. Have I you got shall. much planned for the rest of the day, lolling about listening to more Manuel? I think I'll, it's Manuel and the music of the mountains for me. I think that now, having having coped with the sink, I feel that I've done enough yes. for the year. Yes. With doing things. What Your about milk you? stripes you... earned. What am I, I doing? So. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, well, I need to clean the kitchen. Mm. <sighs> don't want to i need to do the garden i need to do washing i need to do all these boring things that one needs a lady around the place to to uh, address I, I need to water the garden it'll rain at some point won't it yes i'm sure it will not yes. today roasting ridiculous it's but too no, hot it's far too hot it's always too hot yes it is too hot don't like it i but, may start oh! fast now that was the last thing that I think we need to talk about. I had a new experience this week. Oh yes, do tell. I watched a footballing. I believe so. I've never watched a footballing before. Yeah. And it was the ladies um footballing and they did awfully well. Um and that's the commentary. But didn't they used to do a thing? In the 70s, I'm sure that after the match, they'd go into the dressing room where they were all in the showers and they'd talk to them. I remember someone in a sheepskin coat talking to people. This might be Alan Partridge territory, though, if you remember that sketch. No, that's based on something. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm sure that used to happen after football. I've got a vague memory. of. I think you're thinking of films here. Did that not happen? Well, yes, it did. I don't know about the sheepskin coat, but it did happen. I mean, there's that famous one, isn't there, when Liverpool have won the league and Kenny Dalglish has just sat there with his arms crossed, can't believe it, and his legs out. And is that in the changing rooms afterwards? Right. Um, And would the the perm chap have been there? Um, Keegan? No, not as a player. Not at Liverpool in 1989, 90. Or was it 1991? I don't know. Can't remember now. Anyway, so... um, yeah, well done, the ladies, but it turns out they don't do the bit in the changing room afterwards, which is what uh, I was... So I'm sure you had the old Kleenex at the ready there, dear. Uh, you know, that's, that's the bit I was looking forward to, and they don't do that anymore. No. It's All disappointing. In a, in a communal bath, I'm guessing you're thinking. Yes. Shots, perky shots as they climb into the suds. 
Perky Shots is the uh, she's the captain. Yeah. Yes, Perky Shots. Mm. Wow, what a yeah. game she had. Oh, um, yeah. but, um, no, you I have mean, to change I your mean, line to the lads are do uh, the girls are doing well this year. Oh, in the cab. Yeah. yeah the, the girl did well. The there girl we did well. Yes. So there we are. We can go with that. So yeah, my first ever footballing. Um, and they and, won. And they won, which I like to think is because I was watching. Um, I can't say I'll ever watch another one. Um, that was but, probably in your head. When they're in the bath, this one's for you, pal. <laughs> yes, I can see how this has taken a seedy turn. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yes, of course it has. Yes, it has, absolutely. But, you know, um, that's that's very good. And if you like that sort of thing, football, not the girls in the bath, mm-hmm. then if you like that sort of thing, then jolly well done. Were there any insights that you got from watching uh, your country um, win in this way? Um, no, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was one point where a girl took a t-shirt off and ran around in a sports bra. And you thought it was about to get spicy. Well, I watched that bit several times, but um, no, that was that was about it. Really, that was all that I noticed. Um, I think there were there were I think there were were there two goals or three. I can't remember. I that. don't. To be quite honest with you, it came as a, a surprise to me. When someone was saying, oh, it's this and that, you know, yesterday they were going on about, oh, it's the football tonight and blah, blah, blah. I haven't been, because I, I, I live in a bubble, um, I try to sort of, with social media, I try to sort of run in there, run out as quickly as yeah. I can. Um, I don't read newspapers. I don't watch the television. Um, so it's pretty sad life, really. Um, uh, so so I wasn't aware that anything was going on, to be quite honest with you. <coughs> and apparently there's been weeks of this. Now, ordinarily... Uh, before I got disillusioned with football, I would have been, oh, I wouldn't have shut up about it. Oh, no, you'd have been watching ladies as well. Yes, I would. Yes, mm. yes, yes, yeah. uh, yes. I, 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 I must uh, look at catch up. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. So, yes. yeah. So, uh, well done. Good girl. Can't say good girls. Can, uh, can you? I don't know. I don't know. It's a minefield, that, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, I can't be bothered. I watched it and they won, and that's because I watched it. So there we go. I've watched a footballing. I never need to watch another one. You're not bothering again? Oh, good God, no. Absolutely not. It's very long, isn't it? It's like a film. Yeah, they're, they're, they're long. They're like two hours long. Well, that's it. It got to 90 minutes, and I knew that it was going to be 90 minutes. And then they went, oh, there's extra time to right. play. And that turned out to be half an hour. Oh, so it was right. a draw, was it? And then it went to extra time. I don't know. Well, it must have been. They wouldn't have played oh. extra time otherwise just for you to watch oh, them running round in shorts. Well, I don't know why else they'd do it. But anyway, so they did extra time and it's like, okay, right, that's two hours. That's... Then they did injury time. At that point, I thought, this is stupid now. We don't need yeah. this amount of football. No. So, no, that took what well, that took an afternoon of my life. That's enough. That's all you're getting. Quite so. And I think that that's all you're getting is a good point which to end the show. I think um, so. So, uh, my new footballing chum, uh, whatever you choose to do over the next week, and indeed you at home, we Ooh. hope you have a lovely time, and until the next time... Goodbye. Bye-bye. Things the 
Antidote to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice things.